I need, we're going to do some, some, this isn't really a classroom, but some participation, okay? I need you guys to help me on something. Here's the first question I'm going to ask you. How many people would be honest and raising your hand is you saying yes, okay? Raise your hand if you one day, maybe five years from now, maybe 15 years from now, I don't know what it is for you, but one day, leaders included, if you would say one day, I want to grow up, uh, but there's no one guy already like, oh, that's me, I'm like for nothing, man. I want to grow up, and I want to get married, and I want to have some kids, and I want to have a family and a pets. Raise your hand. Almost everybody, right? That's the first question. Here's the next question. How many people would say, man, one day, I don't know when, but one day I want to have a career, and I want to have like a car that people like kind of look at and go, that's kind of cool, or I want to be able to take trips to Hawaii or anywhere else. Raise your hand if you would say, I want to, I want to have like a dog and a picket fence and like American dream. Raise your hand. It's okay. I'm cool with that. I, I want that too. I want that too. Next question. How many people, and this, this one's a little different, but I still want you to raise your hand and be honest. How many people would say, man, one day, either today I do, or maybe someday I want to learn or I want to figure out how to follow Jesus passionately? Raise your hand. Here's what this whole series is about. We are, as a whole church are going through a series called The Life of a Jesus Follower. And here's, as I was thinking through your lives, because this is follower, what this is, is it's us taking the Life of a Jesus Follower series that our whole church is doing from kindergarten all the way up to the oldest person in our church and focusing it in. Like if you had binoculars, you were focusing it in on your guys' life. Sixth through twelfth grade, man, what does a Jesus follower look like? And so everybody said, man, I want to passionately follow Jesus. Well, How? How do you do that? Maybe some of you guys say, I know how to do that. Maybe some of you say, I have no idea how to do that. But the problem is, is we know how, we are taught how, we can take classes on how or read books or whatever on how to get a date or how to, when we get married, we're going to have some kids and we're going to have a picket fence and some dogs and we can figure out how to be successful that way or we can figure out how to make enough money to go on a vacation to Hawaii or we can figure out how to make enough money to buy a sweet car that everyone goes, ooh. Look at that sweet car. They got swag. But that's the thing. The first two questions, it's so easy for us to find things on how to do. But a lot of times, if you're like, man, I want to passionately follow after Jesus. How? How how do you do that? Maybe as a sixth grader, you're like, I have no clue how to do that. Or as a 12th grader, you're like, I'm about to go to college, and I've heard about college, and it's crazy, and I don't know what to expect. But I want to passionately follow Jesus, so how do I do it? And that is hopefully the question we're going to answer over and over and over again in this series. It's a four-week series. If you're not going to big church, I encourage you to go to big church on the weekends. We're going to be focusing in a little bit more for students here. But we're going to talk for the next four weeks about what does it look like to be a Jesus follower. Not a lot of principles and a lot of, you know, methods. But from the Bible, what does it look like for you tomorrow to follow after Jesus biblically? And Vance, our pastor, he asked the question in big church, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And he actually had them fill an answer out. And I'm not going to have you do that tonight, but I want you to think about it. If I gave you a few minutes to turn the notes page over and write out what a Jesus follower is. If, okay, so Dustin, I want you to write out what it looks like for you to be a Jesus follower. You would say, okay, this is what it looks like. And you start writing. What would you write? Here's what I would have written and maybe some of you right now would write. Um, you should probably go to church. That's the first thing. Uh, Jesus followers go to church. 
And then specifically for students, I wrote down a couple things that I think we might think, if we're being honest, and we're not going to have anybody tell right now because nobody wants to talk about this out loud, but you might say, um, you might say, you're not supposed to cuss. And I, I'm a Jesus follower. I got to like, I got to represent for Christ, man. I'm not supposed to say cuss words. To get a little more blunt, some of you would say, I've heard in church somewhere that you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to sleep with somebody before you get married. That's another thing that people think, man, Jesus followers, that's it. Write that down on the list. And don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do this, because that makes you look bad, and Jesus wouldn't like that. Or don't do that, or don't do this. And on this side, it's make sure you do that, because God's happy when you do that. Or make sure you go to church this amount of time, or make sure you make, never miss refuge, man. You're, you're like in, on God's bad, naughty list if you miss refuge. Or don't miss small group, or, or make sure you say something good in small group. And we have these two lists of the do's and the don'ts, or the don'ts and the do's, however you, however you focus it. And we say, if I can somehow fit in the middle and walk down my life, I will be a legit Jesus follower. I would live a good Christian life. So I was thinking about this week, man, what's a Christian life look like? And I started thinking about the fact that in America, at least, and that's all we can always speak of, but in America, we've changed Christian. We've made it an adjective. Here's what I mean. You can go drive 20 minutes to a Christian bookstore and you can buy a Christian bumper sticker and I'm hey, by the way I'm not knocking any of this stuff I have some of this stuff I'm just I'm just using it as an example but you can buy a Christian bumper sticker and you can make sure you go to the Christian clothing company right like man these guys they like love Jesus they're a Christian clothing company or we can go and we can listen to the Christian band or the Christian radio station we can talk to the Christian friend that we have and then the non-Christian friend or then we can talk about Christian books and they're out there and they're great we could talk about Christian authors and Christian this and Christian that and Christian this. The problem is, is we've created Christian as an adjective. It's something to describe what people do. But I don't think the Bible ever points towards Christian as an adjective. It's always a noun. It just is. Somebody is a Christian. Somebody is a Christ follower. And we've changed it, and, and, and now Christianity, or being a Christian, or being Christian-like, or a Christian student, or a Christian girl, Christian boy, Christian Coronado student, Silverado, Del Webb, wherever you're at, Lake Mead, we are Christian, and with something we try to do. And we actually aren't living the life of a Jesus follower, because we're too busy trying to figure out how to be a Christian follower of Jesus, and do all the right stuff, and don't do all the bad stuff. You're like, yeah, this is what Pastor Vance is talking about. Exactly. Now, you can never hear this stuff enough because still some of you might, for the last three weeks, been hearing what Pastor Vance is sharing, and we're still trying to figure out, man, I got my Christian music here and my non-Christian music here, and I got all the things that I'm supposed to do and all the things that I'm not supposed to do, and we're trying to walk the line of being a good Christian and living a good Christian life. And so the hope of this series is that we would focus in for students specifically and free you guys into understanding what a real follower of Jesus looks like. It has nothing to do with making sure you don't do all the bad things and making sure you do a lot of the good things. It's all about Jesus. So the first thing I want you to write down there on your, on your paper is very simple. Being a follower is not something you do. It's something you are. Being a follower isn't a hat you put on when it's time to go to church or when it's time to sing the worship song or join the Bible study. You can't take the hat off. 
you are a follower of Christ. The Bible actually talks about when Jesus comes and rescues you, that you were dead and he brought you to life. You can't then take off your lifeness and go back to being dead. You're just alive. You got to be dead or you're alive. And everyone in the room is either dead in Christ or alive in Christ. But we want to wear our Christianity like a ball cap where we take it on and we take it off. And it's Christian this time and it's not Christian that time. But a follower is not something you do. It's something you are. So the first question, and there's going to be a lot of questions tonight that I just want you to answer in your head, in your heart. Nobody's going to ask you straight up, are you a follower of Christ? I'm going to ask you that numerous times as we talk through tonight. Are you a follower of Jesus? Or is Jesus more of an accessory that you put on and take off when it's convenient? A few years ago, a social network picked up on this whole following thing. They said, man, this is pretty cool. People can follow me or not follow me. And really what that means is they kind of identify with me. And this guy came up with this thing called Twitter. Raise your hand again if you have a Twitter. Woo, Mike is like Twitter marketer over there. Twitter is pretty cool. Um, If you have a Twitter, by the way, anytime tonight you can tweet, I am a follower. That's the hashtag we're using in this series. Um, And basically this guy said, well, if everybody follows something, whether you follow a clothing company because you like them, or you follow a band, or you follow a sports team, or you follow Jesus, or you follow all these different things that we kind of point our life at, why don't we create this thing called Twitter where you can follow somebody, and every time they tweet, you can see it. Really, it's like, it's kind of stalkerish. But like, you literally go, oh, cool, Jaira is hanging out at his parents' house right now. Oh, wow, he just got Roberto's, cool. Um, and... Oh, now the Roberto's isn't really treating him nice. He's uh, tweeting from the toilet. And uh, it's kind of weird. Like, I know whatever. I always know people are like, oh, man, we went to this concert. Like, yeah, I know. How do you know? Dude, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, get with it. Like, I saw all the pictures. I was practically there. But uh, this guy picked up on it. And basically on Twitter, what you do is you follow people. I don't know if you know. I'm just going to explain it real quick. But here's, here's my thought towards Twitter. When you follow people, what you do is you kind of identify with them. I'm going to, I have my Twitter open here, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to explain some people that I follow. Because that's the best part. You can follow people in this room. You can follow celebrities. Like, I follow Justin Bieber, okay? He tweets all the time. <laughs> all the guys hate Justin Bieber. It's so funny. Here, here's some of the people I follow. I'm just going down my list. I do, follow, I, I do follow Jaira. He never tweets about being on the toilet, by the way. Um, or at least I haven't seen it. I follow Ben Abernathy. I follow the Dallas Cowboys. Got to represent. I follow Tom. Tom's in the back. I follow him. I follow a hip-hop guy named Propaganda. I follow Kim. She was playing bass. She's pretty awesome. I follow, I follow Sydney. I follow Sydney Gephardt. I follow, and I follow more of you. I'm just scrolling real quick. I follow a guy on the radio here in Vegas, J.D. Smith. I follow him. I follow a guy named Chan, Chan Simone Sysak. He is a pastor over in, in Thailand. And so when he tweets, it's like, dude, I'm like there. I, I like know what's going on in your life because you did this thing called Twitter. I'm following you. I'm identifying with what you're doing. I follow our church. I follow a guy named Mark Driscoll. I follow Fox News. I follow Travis Fox, who's the guy who's the pastor up in, uh, in Salt Lake City. I follow Jason Witten, tied in for the Cowboys, represent. I love that we have so many Cowboy fans. I've... I follow a whole bunch of people, and you probably do too, but you can go down your Twitter list, and people tweet, and I know what's going on in their life. I identify myself with them. We had a definition of a follower. It's somebody who takes after. Not that I'm going to be Jason Witten, but when he tweets, I know exactly what's going on in Jason Witten's life. I'm following him. 
And so I, I thought, man, let's, uh, let's have some fun with that tonight. And so I, again, Scott ADD moment, I, uh, I looked up um, social media etiquette, okay? Here's what that means. I looked this guy's website up, and he has a whole blog about how to properly act on social networks. And so I'm just going to offend some of you guys right now. I promise you're going to be like sinking in your seat like, I just did that. Here's, pro- here's proper social media etiquette as it pertains to, to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, and, and just represent if some of these are you. Ready for this? Ah. Your profile picture should not be a logo. Any guilty parties right now? No? We don't meet logos at parties, do we? You can include a logo, but make it you. Unless you're a fictional character, more often than not, your profile pic should be you. Amazing Simpson-like renditions of you are interesting for about four hours. So if you're going to put that as your Facebook, you know, like, what was that called? Um, uh, what was it called when, like, everyone put, like, Disney movie characters? And, like, that's me. No? Doppelinger? Doppling? Doppelganger? Nobody caught that. We had no doppelganger people. Um, and I love that, like, people were putting, like, the most attractive uh, celebrities. Like, I would be like, uh, uh, what's that dude's name, Tony? Uh, Chad Michael Murray. I'd be like. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, I kind of see it. No, you don't. Don't lie. Your Facebook doesn't, your, your Facebook profile doesn't have to be you. But it often means that others might not accept your friend request. I feel like a creeper if I'm friending a four-year-old kid. You guys all know those people. It's like, who is this? All I see is a baby. (laughs) This one's the best. Don't take, all caps, don't take a profile picture from above or below. Like this. (laughs) Guilty. I see it all. I see it all. You are not obligated to follow or friend anybody, no matter what, not even your mother. This guy's harsh. How many people are friends with their mom on Facebook? Just, yes. Teenagers can't be. Like, you, you can't not be friends with your mom because it's like, it's, it's just bad. They'll just say, hey, delete your Facebook. Or he'll shoot it like that guy on the internet. Have you seen that guy? He shoots his daughter's computer. Don't make your dad mad. If you decide to unfollow someone... Don't make a big stink and announce why. That would be awkward. Have you ever done that? You're flipping through pictures, and it says unknown user underneath it. And you're like, wait, that means a person commented on my picture and then unfriended me. Does that make sense to anybody? It's like you can look. If you flip through all your pictures, there's like going to be some that just have the picture, and it'll say, it'll say unknown user or something like that. That either means they deleted it or they decided not to be your friend anymore. Um, or, or it'll say that person's name, and then it'll say add his friend or mutual friends. And then it's like, wait, we used to be friends, and now you defriended me, and you comment on my pictures? Jerk. Um, this, is a, this is another good one. Retweeting. Does anyone know what retweeting is? Retweeting, which is when you basically, like, repost what somebody else tweeted. Retweeting people's praise of you is super lame. <laughs> it's basically like standing on a table in a restaurant and shouting, hey, this person just complimented me. Everybody check it out. Don't do that. That's what he says. Don't do it. I'm sorry if I'm offending you. I've done some of these things too. It's cool. I've never done the picture. That'd be weird. I've never done that. You can tweet or post as often as you want, but people might unfriend or unfollow you. But tweet on, my friends. Tweet on. That is some proper social media etiquette according to this dude on a blog. Okay? 
take it or leave it. Um, but seriously, this guy got a hold of this Twitter thing and this follower thing, and he said, man, people follow people, and people follow things. And so earlier, we said, how many of you want to be a Jesus follower? And a bunch of people raised their hand. But the bummer is, is I can go on Twitter and follow every celebrity in the world who has a Twitter. I can follow any of you who have a Twitter, and it's super easy. All I do is hit a button that's got, a little, that's got the little guy here, and it says follow. But it's not as easy to follow Jesus because there's not a lot of people telling you how to do it. There's a lot of systems. There's a lot of people saying, do this, do this, do this. But they're trying to point you in a way that is just overbearing you with religion and stuff to do. And you're not actually a Jesus follower because you're so bogged down with trying to meet the requirements that you miss out on the joy of following after Christ. And even as a teenager, you have bought into a distorted view of of following Jesus. As a sixth grader, you already have in your brain, and Bryce, two and a half years old, he's learning in his brain what he's supposed to do and what he's not supposed to do. And the world will somehow twist and turn that, and we're going to have to turn him away from religion and into a relationship with Jesus. That's just the truth. That's the world we live in. That's the flesh inside of us. All of you deal with that. And so we don't want to take it for granted and say, oh, students don't deal with that. Students don't have to pay bills, and students don't have to deal with all the stuff that our parents have to deal with. And they, they don't really get caught up in religion as much as the older people. That's a lie. You guys are all trying to think, how can I please God? What can I do to be a better person? And we miss out on what Jesus' plan for us is in this life. And that's to be a Jesus follower with a relationship with God. And we're going to talk about that. At Hope, we, we broke it down into three ways. Here's what we said. If we're going to be a Jesus follower, we have to go to the source of who we're following, which is Jesus. And so we have to look at Jesus' life, which primarily is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. And we have to say, okay, what if, if we're supposed to follow him and we're supposed to take examples from him, what does his life look like? And we broke it down into three different relationships. Basically, we say you can take the Bible and you can chop the Gospels up with a pair of scissors and you can put Jesus' life into three different relationships. The first one is a relationship with the Father. That Jesus, he spent a lot of time with God. He spent a lot of time with the Father and you could put all these stories and all these times we read in, 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 uh, in, in the Gospels in the file cabinet that says relationship with the Father. And there's another part where he spends a lot of time with his disciples, a lot of time with people who know Christ. So you could take a bunch of more stories and put them in that file cabinet. And the other one is, is a relationship with the people that didn't know Christ, a relationship with the unbelieving world. And so take the rest of them that you haven't already put in the Father and the disciples and put it in here into the unbelieving world. We said this is a life of a Jesus follower, primarily in three different relationships, relationship with the Father, relationship with disciples of Christ, other believers, and relationship with the world. And we, we, we put three words with them. And here's the words, and if you've been to big church, which I hope you have, you've already heard these. The words are these, abide, connect, and share. Abide is the word that we've put with the, with, um, the relationship with the Father. We are to abide in a relationship with the Father. Connect is when we connect with other believers. And share is when we share the good news of, of Jesus Christ with the unbelieving world. And so for refuge, we said, okay, how do we take those and, like I said, focus them in for students? How do we take those and focus them in? And so you'll see up here we have some, some awesome art that some of, our, some of our awesome refuge ladies put together. And this is kind of how we're packaging them. And tonight we're taking a 30,000-foot view. We're just going to talk about each of these for a few minutes. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to dive into each one. 
And so I really want you to be a part. If you're at Refuge tonight, don't miss the next three weeks. Miss next week because it's Mother's Day and nobody's going to be here. But after that, three weeks straight, we want you to be here. We want you to be learning this stuff. So here's the, to jump right in, if you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 15. We're going to look at the first relationship. Our relationship with the Father. If we're trying to, be, trying to be Jesus followers, we are following his example, and he had a relationship with the Father. So in John chapter 15, here's what it says. John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. This is, this is Jesus talking. He says, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's what Jesus is saying to us. He, he used an illustration of, uh, of, of plants or, or, or a tree. That there's vines and then there's the branches. And the only reason the branch have any life and the only reason they work or they grow is because of the vine. And so he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. As you go to Lake Mead Christian Academy tomorrow, or you go to Green Valley High School, or you go to Las Vegas Academy, or wherever you're going, or you're at your house, and you're about to go play on a football team, the only way you and I can have any influence on anybody around us is if we abide in Christ. That's the most important thing. It's not a goal in the Christian life. It is the goal. Pastor Vance said it perfectly. He said, man, there is a huge goal in your life, and it's to know God. And the overall goal is for you to know God by the time you're zero to however old you live. That's the goal. But there's a daily goal, and that's for you to spend time with God. That's how we abide in Christ. And specifically for students, here's what we're saying. As you abide, here's your, first, your second blank. As you abide, you will be someone who is four things, and we'll get there in just a second. But as you spend time with God, as you daily sit with, with your Bible and say, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you desperately today. Even if I don't think I do, I need you. We believe that in you, Christ will make you be someone who is four things. And you've heard him at Refuge before. And this isn't all the things that you'll be. He's going to do amazing things in your heart and life. But we believe God will produce in you fruit. And you would be someone who is four things. Here's the first one. Complete in Christ. You don't have to write these down. We're going we're to dive into these in two weeks. This is going to be the whole message in two weeks. You would be someone who is complete in Christ. Understanding you couldn't do anything to earn salvation. Salvation came to you. You didn't go to salvation. You are complete in the work of the cross. As you spend time with God, you are going to be revealed that over and over and over again. Man, I am nothing and Christ is everything. And I'm complete in him. You're also, you're going to be pure before God. Should be up there somewhere. Pure before God. There we go. Pure before God. That as you are abiding in Christ and spending time with him, that he's going to produce in you a desire. And he is going to be pure in you. That you'll see the things, like Ben was just talking about, you'll see the things that are gross, the things that are dirty, the things that don't please God in your life, and you will cast them down at his feet and say, God, I want more of you. You'll be pure before God. You'll also be connected. You'll be connected with what God is doing in and through you. You're going to start seeing things that Christ is doing around you as you're spending time with him. He's going to start overflowing into your life. 
I'm telling you, there's leaders all around this room who have experienced this. Some of you have experienced this. And the last one is you're going to be passionate for the kingdom of God. The stuff we talk about all the time, the kingdom of God and Salt Lake City and exposure and Thailand, Zambia and South Africa, all these places we go as a church, man, you're going to start seeing, you're, you're getting passionate about that. I want to go be a part of what God is doing all over the globe. And that doesn't come from you going to church enough. That doesn't come from you hitting a checklist of do's and don'ts. That comes from you abiding in Christ. And in that, he makes you be someone who's complete and pure and connected with what he's doing and passionate for his kingdom. So the question tonight for you is, are you abiding in Christ? Nobody's going to ask you that straight up. You don't have to answer out loud. But are you spending time with God? It's really easy to say, yeah, I have a relationship with Jesus. Well, what's that relationship look like on a daily basis? We're not saying if you miss one day, you're a horrible Christian. That would be religion. We're saying Jesus invites you every day to sit at his feet and to abide in Christ. And every day he says, you can't do it, but I can. I want to spend time with you. Do you spend time with God? Even as a sixth grader, you're like, dude, I barely know how to read. Get a children's Bible. Rock that. God can use children's Bibles. We read it to Bryce all the time. He has a VeggieTales Bible. Bible. God's using that. Are you abiding in Christ? Next word we talked about in big church is connect. These verses come out of Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Here's what it says in those verses. And he went up to the mountain. This is Jesus. And he summoned those who he himself wanted. So Jesus saw these guys that he wanted as his disciples. And he called them and he said, and it says they came to him. Verse 14 says he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. There's the abide. That's the first step. Without that step, nothing matters. So he first called them that they would sit at his feet and spend time with him and be with him. But then I love what it says in the end. And that he could send them out to preach. So here's what that means for us. As we spend time with God, as we sit at his feet daily and say, God, I can't do it, you can. As we abide in Christ, he says he is the vine, we are the branches. Without him, we can do nothing, but through him, we can do things. So to connect the way we're saying it at Refuge is Jesus begins to do something through you. Telling you, just start seeing it. You start seeing Jesus do something through you. And specifically, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about this. You'll start seeing God do stuff around you locally. Here's what that means. In your small group, you're going to see some community. You're going to see community in your small group where you don't just sit there and and, and just wait for it to be over. Like, dude, it's 8 o'clock here. Wow, I, I can't wait to be done. You're going to start seeing God do something in you in community. You're going to start sharing what God's doing. You can put that slide on the screen, Ethan. Small group isn't going to become something you hate going to. Small group is going to become something you're like, man, I I want to share with the people around me, just like Jesus shared with his disciples and his disciples shared with other disciples. I want to show you what God's doing in my life. But also... And I believe as we are spending time with God and we are doing something and Jesus is doing something through us, that we're going to start serving in our church. 
And you guys have heard us talk about this before, man, but we desire to see a whole bunch of students out of the overflow of what God's doing in them. They start serving in their church. Children's ministry, awesome. Setting up for refuge, awesome. Want to be an usher in big church, awesome. It's not something you have to do. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying to be a good Christian, you got to make sure you serve all over our church. No, out of the overflow of what God's doing to you, you're just going to want to. And again, there's leaders here that serve every single week because they feel like they have to, because they feel it's an obligation to make God happy. No. God has so done something in their hearts that they're like, man, I want to serve. And specifically, I want to serve teenagers. Every leader in here is a testament to God doing something through them. Last word we talked about in in big church is share. It means us sharing in what God's doing all over the world, sharing the good news of Jesus. So how we're saying that at Refuge is go somewhere. As we are abiding in Christ and he begins to do something through us, we start seeing his activity and his fruit, man, we're going to have a passion to go somewhere. Maybe that's go across your street. Maybe that's go across your classroom. Maybe that's go across the Atlantic Ocean. And that's really what it is. There's two things, locally and globally. Vance talks about this all the time. Some of this you're like, yeah, we've heard this. Yeah, good. Hear it again. As Christians... Go ahead and put those slides on the screen, Ethan. Locally and globally. So the question is, are you sharing? Are you sharing what God's doing in your life? Or is it, as we talked about here in Refuge, is it something you slip in your pocket and it's something that comes out at Refuge all the time, man? Amen, you can make all things new, God. Holy are you. And then as soon as it's over, man, we put it in our pocket. We don't want to share that. That's my little secret. Man, the life of a Jesus follower is, you can't stop it. It comes out of you. People start seeing you and they start thinking, man, something's different with that person. They want to actually be involved in their community. They want to be involved. They're going going across the ocean. They're going to go to Salt Lake City on their summer break. They're going to give up five days to go walk around and get dirty and have car washes and play free concerts in the park. And it's going to be really hot up there. And I'm going to sit and play Xbox. Why on earth are they going to Salt Lake City? They're going to Salt Lake City because Jesus is so doing something in them that it's coming out. So here's kind of the series statement that we put together. This is something we're going to say every week. Today, right now, for anybody in the room. 12 years old, 18, 40. Today, God is calling you to be someone that he uses. Again, it's not you figuring out how to do. It's him doing through you. He uses to do something and go somewhere to share in the mission. Everything we do at Refuge from this point on is going to have one of these brands. You, you might have already seen it. Salt Lake. It says go somewhere, Salt Lake. That's out of the overflow of what Jesus is doing in you. We want you to go somewhere. As we start serving, it's all going to be labeled do something. Every series we do is practically be something or be someone. Be someone. Every series we do is us encouraging you, man, abide in Christ. We're pointing you to Jesus. I invite the band to come up tonight.
And I want everyone to just bow your heads for a minute. You can hit those lights, Candace. Just in response to what we've heard, I know some of you have heard this a lot. Some of you have never heard this. Some of you walked in tonight and you knew. And I, I, I got Christianity locked. Here's what Christianity is. Christianity is being a really good person. Christianity is figuring out how to stay away from all the bad things that the Bible talks about. And doing all the good things that I know I'm supposed to do to live the good Christian life. I want everyone to bow your heads. I know you guys heard the music. You're all, you're all kind of looking up. I really want you to just think for a minute. What does your relationship with Jesus look like today? Not what you know is true. Not what your parents taught you. Not what you've heard in Sunday school since you were little. What does your relationship with Jesus look like? Do you spend time with him? Do you know him? Is God somebody you just call on when it's convenient? When's the last time you sat before God, you opened up your Bible and said, God, I need you today. I've been where you are, and I know you feel like, dude, I'm 15. When I first became a Christian, people said, hey, spend time with God. I'm like, I'm 17. I want to get up the second before I have to leave for school. And I want to stay up as late as possible for me to get the amount of sleep I need to not fall asleep in the middle of class. I have no time to spend time with God. But when we start seeing it as a desperate need of ours, it changes everything. I love, Pastor Vance said it this week. We never think, I'm not going to breathe today. I'm not going to eat today. Because we know that's stupid. That will hurt you. You will die. It's an absolute necessity for you to eat and for you to breathe. What if we started looking at abiding in Christ as an absolute necessity? We could not do life without it. Is Christianity and the term Christian, is it an adjective in your life? You got all the right Christian stuff. But you forgot that it's a noun. It doesn't matter how many Christian t-shirts you wear, how many Christian bumper stickers you have, how many Christian books you collect over the years. If you go to a Christian school, are you the noun, a Christian, a Christ follower? Your identity is in him. You abide in him. You live with him. Do people around you know you're a Jesus follower? Not because of the Christian stuff. Not because the bumper sticker says that when you, you know, 
what would Jesus do? Or you wear the bracelet, or you got the Christian t-shirt that's got the cross on it. But because you are someone who abides in Christ and that he's doing things through, and you're living on mission with your life. Tonight, maybe some of you guys need to come up here while we sing and just pray. You can get on your knees right here and just pray and say, God, I have gone toward religion and away from a relationship. Some of you guys need to do that tonight. It doesn't have to be weird. Nobody's going to laugh at you. It's a great thing for you to have enough humility to say, God, I need you. And I need to just cry before you tonight right here in front of of this, this altar, this stage. Maybe you want to pray with somebody. And me and, and Nancy are going to be in the back. If you're a girl, I, I encourage you to go with Nancy. She'll be standing right back there with me. If you're a guy and you just want to be prayed over for something that's going on in your life, let's pray back in the back. If tonight you need a relationship with Jesus, don't walk out of the door tonight thinking my religion's good enough. Your religion is a lie from the enemy. You were created for a relationship where you know God and he knows you and you spend time with him. And out of that, you see him start doing crazy things in your life.